Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Welcome to Gospel Saving Church. We're here in beautiful McKinney, Texas, our little congregation, and thank you everybody for joining us, those that are, of us that are here and those of us that are online. Thank you guys for joining us this beautiful morning, this beautiful morning of May. We've been getting a lot of rain here in Texas lately. Praise God, we've been needing it. Anyway, uh, it's good to be in the house of the Lord today. Thanks, thanks be to God that we're all here and we're all sitting and ready to listen to the word of the Lord intently. So let's join me in a word of prayer. And then um, we'll open up the word today and we'll see what God has for us. Lord, thank you for bringing us here. Thank you for letting us enjoy your word. Thank you for giving it to us. For basic instructions before leaving earth, Lord, and it's so much love in here and so much direction, but we never have to be lost, Lord, as long as we're looking at your word and reading what you have to tell me, have to tell us. God, thank you for all that you do for us, how you sustain our lives every day, how the planets just keep moving around and around and around, Lord, thousands and hundreds of thousands of miles, Lord God, every single day, they never stop. <laughs> that power that holds us together, Lord, and holds the universe together, Lord. Thank you for that power. Thank you for the way you reveal yourself, Lord. And thank you for the way you reveal truth, because you do that in your word. It's the truth of God we're going to look at today, Lord. We're going to look at your truth, and we're going to look at the lies of men a little bit, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I pray... Lord, that whoever listens to this message, wherever they are, in us and here, Lord, I pray your word would speak to them according to how your Holy Spirit wants to speak to them. I pray, Lord God, that you would speak to us truth and open open up wisdom to us, Lord God, today. I pray we wouldn't just be hearers of the word only, but we'd be doers of the word. Uh, Lord, we love you and we praise you. I just ask these things in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. So as we start out today's message, I have a praise report before we get to the title, before we get to the message, before we even read one scripture of the Bible. I have a praise report for us here today. Uh, last week we talked about the centurion, how he came to Jesus and how he asked Jesus for the, the healing of his servant. And I, I remember telling you guys, because it was, it, was it was very shocking to me to see this, but how when I googled... You know, the, the centurion in Matthew chapter 8, how it instantly, in a wide search, popped up how the, the centurion was really gay and how he was really out there, you know, asking Jesus and how Jesus really affirmed this gay couple because he came or he was going to come and he just spoke a word and he healed this centurion's servant. Well, as just a praise report, I have to say that after yesterday's message, I went to go show another brother how amazing it was, how just if you type in the centurion in Matthew chapter 8, how look at here, it pops right up in a broad search. Well, guess what God did? God took it off of the broad search. You can still find it if you punch in the gay centurion from Matthew chapter 8. It'll still pop up. Jesus affirms a gay couple. But when I researched it before for the message of last week, it popped up in the broad search. Now, it was no longer in the broad search. Now, it was in just the minor, minor, minor search. And I, I thank God for that because, 
you know, there's so much evil running wild in the world today. And we don't want to be promoters of evil. We want to be promoters of good. And God's word is is promoting love and, and it's promoting justice and peace and holiness. And not unholiness and not ungodliness and not injustice. It's, it promotes godliness and goodness and truth. So I thank, I thank God that he took that injustice, that untruth, that evil off the internet as far as the wide search goes. And that anybody that can search now Matthew chapter 8, they'll just get the truth Amen. of Matthew chapter 8. They won't get a lie. They won't get a man-made doctrine. So a little bit of praise report there for us here. So um, anyway, praise God. So the title of today's message is Eagerness. Eagerness. So I'll show you that as we go through. Uh, but before we get there, let's read Matthew 8, 14 and 15. Although it's only two verses, there is so much gold to be dug from these two verses, at least what God has showed me. So let's let's read Matthew 8, 14 and 15, and then we'll then we'll dig in real deep. Verse 14. Now when Jesus had come into Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother laying sick with a fever. So he touched her hand, and the fever left her. And she arose and served them. So, just two verses. How could we hardly have a whole church service anywhere from 40 to 50 minutes on just two verses? Well, with God... All things are possible. Amen. With God, all things are possible. So what's the first thing that jumps out to me as I was studying this section of Scripture but the fact that Peter has a wife and her mother is laying sick. So if somebody has a wife and they have a mother, what is that What is that called? That's a mother-in-law. So in essence, in, in, in thrust, Peter has a wife and a mother-in-law. So that may not be very, that may not ar arise anything in you, but when I read it, it, the Lord just threw it out there and he's like, but look, think about this. And here's what the Lord told me to think about. Whether you know it or not, many people don't, the Catholic Church proclaims Peter to be the first pope. They say that he was the one that, you know, Jesus said, on this rock I'll build my church. Even though that actually wasn't, wasn't really what Jesus was saying. Nevertheless, they talk about how Peter was the first pope of the Catholic Church. Now, just think about that for a minute upon what we just read. Popes today... And since forever, I don't know any time at all that a pope was ever allowed to do what? Get married. Now, wait a minute. Peter, they claim, was the first pope. And right here in Matthew 8, chapter 14, when Jesus had come into Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother laying sick with a fever. So, Peter was married. Peter had a wife. That's tremendous. That's huge. Again, as I said, the Catholic Church does not allow their popes or their priests 
to get married. And yet they claim Peter to be the first pope. Does that make you scratch your head? Because it does me. Why would any supposed Christian church not allow their leader to get married when they claim that you know, their first leader, you say, the starter of the Catholic Church, was married? It makes me scratch my head. So, so, so to be fair, maybe Peter's wife left him because he became a Christian. Or, or maybe she died. And then he said, well, I'm, I'm not going to get married anymore. You know, and then, and therefore, you know, I, I deem all, all leaders of the Christian church after me, uh, you know, they, they shouldn't be married either. So let, let's look, because that's not actually quite the truth. Paul writing to the Christians at the church of Corinth, which this would be 1st and 2nd Corinthians in your Bible. This book, these two books are dated between 50 and 67 AD. So Jesus died in 33. The book of Acts is a 30-year period of church history. So the book of Acts takes us from Jesus' death to early 60s, 33 to 63, 64. So the, 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 these letters to the Corinthian church, these two letters, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, were written in between 50 and 67 AD is what the scholars say. And Paul's writing in this section here in 1st Corinthians chapter 9, if you guys want to go there, and people are challenging his authority, his apostleship in Christ Jesus. They're kind of attacking him. Are you really an apostle of Jesus Christ? I've just had that happen recently to me. Uh, I've had somebody tell me, oh, and Paul, come on, he wasn't even a disciple. He wasn't even, you know, he, he claimed this. And Well, anyway, he, he writes back, talking to the church, defending himself. And I love how God does this because God knew that this was going to happen with the Catholic Church and they were going to proclaim this, this non-truth and going to practice this non-truth. So Paul, God kind of, I could see God's handiwork in here because Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 9, 1-6, through 6, listen to what he says in his defense. Remember the book, 50-67 to 67 AD. Am I not an apostle? Am I not free? Have I not seen Jesus Christ, our Lord? Are you not my work in the Lord? If I am not an apostle to others, yet doubtless I am to you. Basically, if I'm not sent to others, I know I'm sent to you. That's what the word apostle means, is to be sent. For you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. Here's where it gets good. My defense to those who examine me is this. So there's those that are examining him. Those are those that are questioning his authority is this. Do we not have the right to eat and drink? Because, of course, the Jews were attacking Paul because Paul was a Jew. And Jews had a special dietary law. And the new Christian church, Jesus made all foods clean. Thanks be to God. He gives us such freedom. Amen. So they were attacking him on what he ate. Then, then he says, do we not have the right to take along a believing wife? So Paul's saying that what they were coming, in, their attack against him was that they were saying, you have a believing wife. You have no right to do that. But then his response to them, he says, as do also the other apostles. Remember, 50 to 67 AD, the brothers of the Lord, which would be James, which would be Jude, the brothers of the Lord, and Cephas. 
Who is Cephas? Cephas was Peter. Peter, Cephas. Cephas was his Jewish name. Peter was his English name. As do the other apostles, the brothers of the Lord and Cephas. What was the question upon? Taking along a believing wife while they were serving Jesus Christ in the field, doing work for the church. So we know at least between 50 to 67 AD, Peter was still married. Now the book of Acts only goes through 63. So that means as far up to 67 AD, Peter was still had a wife, as did Paul, as did the other, as did the other apostles. Or is it only Barnabas and I who have no right to refrain from working? So he kind of, you know, says, "Hey, are we the only ones that you have to scorn? What about those other people? They're they're working for the Lord and they're bringing along their wives. Why can't I bring along mine? Why can't I eat what I want to eat? So on and so forth." And as history has it, Paul and Peter died about the same time under the reign of the vicious and horrible ruler of Rome, Nero. They actually died about the same time under Nero's reign. Now, I believe this, and church history shows us this, but not everybody believes this. Peter wasn't the first pope anyway, because the church history doesn't show us that. Neither does the Bible, nor does the first century church fathers show us that. Peter was not the first pope anyway. But he was married, and not allowing popes or any leader of a Christian church to get married, when you consider Peter was married, with him being, now, Peter was married with him being an original apostle of Jesus Christ, with him being original disciple, and elder, which is pastor. The Bible talks about elder, but really that's pastor in the New Testament. With him being an original disciple and an elder of the, not of one of the, but of the original founding Christian church that Jesus Christ himself founded. Not somebody after him. Peter wasn't a, a, a pastor in the 380s, because then he would have been you know, 400 years old. Peter was the founder, one of the founders of the original Christian church right after Jesus died. He was one of the elders on the board in the church of Jerusalem, the very first Christian church ever after Jesus left. They went out and got converts and they started a church, the very first church ever. So if he was allowed to get married, he wasn't the first pope anyway, but if he was, being the founder, one of the founders, then really not allowing your leaders of any Christian denomination, of any so-called Christian church, is actually anti-Bible. Anti-Bible. Again, we read Paul writing to Timothy in 1 Timothy 4, 1-3, and he says... Now the Spirit expressively says that in the latter times some will depart from the faith. So this is Paul writing to Timothy saying, some people, as it gets later on in time, are going to fall away from the faith. And what are they doing? He says, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. Woo! That's pretty harsh. That's some pretty brutal stuff. Speaking lies and hypocrisy having their own conscience seared with a hot iron, 
look at what they look at what he says that they're gonna do. Forbidding people to marry. Oh. Forbidding people to marry. And commanding people to abstain from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. So several of the things that people later in the days were going to do, falling away from the Lord, falling away from Christianity, under what the deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, where they're going to speak lies and hypocrisy, so they're going to lie, they're going to be liars and they're going to be hypocrites. They're going to have their own conscience seared with a hot iron, which means nothing's going to bother them. They can sin whatever way they want. It doesn't matter. Nothing's going to bother them. Their conscience is seared. has no more feeling. Now this is doctrines of demons and deceiving spirits. They're going to forbid people to marry. Just like the Catholic Church forbids their people that follow their religion to marry. And commanding to abstain from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. So they're going to do all those things, and guess what? Those aren't things that God is leading people to do. Paul said those are things that demons will lead people to do. People that are falling away from Christ. People that have fallen from the real Christian truth. So, so this is not allowing. So this not allowing the leaders of the real Christian church is not from God. It's from deceiving spirits. Now, who's that from? Who are deceiving spirits from? Well, we know that's not from God. That's from Satan. Wow, is all I can say. I could really talk about this all day long, but I hope you can see that whether the Catholic Church or any so-called Christian church that doesn't let their leaders or people of the church get married is not really a real Christian church at all. 1 Timothy 4, 1-3. And please, if this evokes emotion as you're listening to this, don't say, oh, Ed, how dare you say that? How, how dare you say that about, about the Catholic Church? How dare you? Did I say it? Or did God say it? Just look at it like that. Did I say it or did God say it? Because I didn't say it. I just read what God wrote over the last few thousand years. That's all I did. So before you get mad at me, look at the Word of God. See what the Word of God says. we got to move on. Enough said. So what else do we read? Verse 14, we read about Jesus being very eager to do God's work. So that's where our title comes from. Jesus was very eager to do God's work. What does he do in verse 14 when Jesus had come into Peter's house? He saw his wife's mother laying sick with a fever. So actually, Matthew doesn't give the full picture of this whole uh, divine appointment that Jesus had. For the full picture, we have to go to Mark 1, 29-31. So if you guys want to turn there, or I'm just going to read it whatever you want to do, but it's Mark 1, 29-31. We're going to read a little bit more behind this divine appointment. And we read in Mark 1, 29, the Bible says, Now as soon as they had come out of the synagogue, because that's where they were right before this, 
that which Matthew doesn't hit either. They entered the house of Simon and Andrew and James and John. But Simon's wife's mother lay sick with a fever. And they told him about her at once. So it wasn't just like Peter walked in the house and was like, oh, wow, oh, hey, she's laying there with a fever. With, you know, she's sick. They actually, people came and told Jesus. They said, hey, Jesus, Peter's mother-in-law is sick. Would you come and take a look? Regardless, he was eager when he came in, but he was also eager to go. So keep that in mind. So he came, he took her by the hand, and he lifted her up, and immediately the fever left her, and she served them. Here, Matthew just talks about the touch, but you can't lift somebody up by the hand if you don't touch their hand first. So the Bible's no contradiction there. We just have to... We have to read the stories together. We have to read the accounts together and see. So, Jesus, what this shows us about him, is he was always ready for divine, divine appointments. And just like we need to be ready for divine appointments in our lives as they come to us, because they will come to us, just like this divine appointment hit Jesus right here. And not only was Jesus always ready, but he was always looking for. Even though he walked into Peter's house, they had told him that she was sick with a fever, but he had to come in and I'm sure he was looking for her. Where is she? Where is Peter's wife? Oh, there she is. So Jesus was looking for the divine appointment of Peter's mother-in-law where she was and what she was sick. So, Jesus saw an opportunity to serve God, and he took it. Divine appointments, really, are all around us, every day, all the time. They are anywhere and everywhere. Are we ready for them? Are we looking for them? That's really the, the thrust of this message today is, are we really looking for the divine appointments that God has for us? Or are we going about our daily lives too busy, not slowing down, and not taking time to look at the things that God has for us? In my experiences at work daily, God told me to say this several years ago. God said, whenever anybody says to you, Hey man, how's it going today? Or, hey man, what's up? How's your day today? How, how are you doing today? And God told me to say this. I'm doing great thanks to Jesus. I'm doing great thanks to Jesus. This one little saying has opened up so many doors to talk about the Lord with people, to witness for the Lord, to shine like a light for Him. All the people that come into where I work know who I am and where I stand People also know that they can come and ask me to pray for them because they know where I stand with the Lord. So this just being, just, just a little thing like being open, mentioning Jesus' name often, just helps people to know where you are and helps you to be what? Helps you to be a light for God in this dark world. A couple Friday nights ago, we had several divine appointments that were waiting us for waiting for us out on Walnut Hill and the 35 area. 
as we were just walking around like the first century disciples were doing back when they did it. They just walked around the city looking for ways, just serving God. Me and my brother who go out right now, Christ's Streets Ministries, had some divine appointments. We're just walking along and here's this guy pumping gas, doing his normal thing. And I was like, hey man, how you doing today? You want to talk about Jesus? Oh sure man, let's do it right now. He was so eager. And then his wife, or his actual girlfriend, who professed to be a Christian, my brother ended up talking to her, and she thought she was a Christian, yet they'd been together over 20, I think it was over 20 years, and they weren't married. And of course she thought she was a Christian, but she lived a life 20 years in fornication. And my brother had had a history with that. So what was he able to do? God just used that, his history, to show her, hey, that's wrong. That's wrong. You need to repent. Because you're in a bad, bad news. Bad news. You're not in a good place. And she was blown away and the Spirit touched her. As we were just moving along, caught a couple homeless people. And God touched them. As we were walking along, these two Hispanic guys, they were on their way to a soccer game. Where just out of nowhere, their radiator started leaking. And now here they are at the Valero, broke down, just so happened to be broke down just at the time we're walking by. And here's all this radiator fluid that's all over the ground. But don't you know how good God is? God put us right, God put them right in our path so that what? They were stuck. They had no choice but to stand there and listen to Jesus. Now they still could have said no, and we still could have walked away. But you know what? They realized, because I was very quick to point out, hey guys, do you think this is an accident? How many times has your car just broken down like that? And then they were on the way to a soccer game at like 11 o'clock at night. And they were actually in a hurry. And they just started, one of them started laughing. I think his name was Adolfo. He started laughing because he's like, man. Because he realized, you know what? This is not by chance. This is not by chance. Just a divine appointment that was just out there. Just that we just saw, and we could have just walked on by. Just like Peter and James could have walked on by as they were walking into the, the, the gate called Beautiful, and they met a man lame, and they said, In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. They, they had gone to that temple for years, right through that same gate, and never not one thing happened. But this one day, they see a lame man sitting there in the book of Acts, I think it was chapter 3, and they, were, they, they saw the guy, and he was asking for alms. Just a little divine appointment that they saw, that they just stopped and they weren't too busy, Christians, they weren't just too busy to stop and say, hey, what's up? How you doing? I see you're in a bad situation. So that's the thrust of the goal today is to help you see that divine appointments are everywhere. And a real Christian's job is just to be ready for them daily, looking for them, and then of course, can't just be ready can't just see them. And then if we just push on by, that's not really love. What do we have to do? We have to act on, just like Jesus did here, an open door was given to him, and he acted on the divine appointment that God had for him, and he healed this woman. We have to be ready and act on the divine appointments that God gives us. But isn't that exactly what Jesus taught in Matthew 5, 14 through 16, where he says, You, Christians, are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, 
nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before man that they may see your good works. And the Bible says, and glorify your Father in heaven. I translate to say, so that they can be drawn to your heavenly Father and see how loving He is. Because God isn't just some big fat glory hog. The only reason He wants to be glorified is because when He's glorified, we aren't. And people see His glory living within us and they're drawn to Jesus. And isn't that why we exist? Because if we're here and we exist only to go about our lives and only to do those just those superficial things that all people do, how is that being a light? That's not. That's not being a life. And most importantly, most importantly, most importantly of all, hypocrisy was not accepted by Christ, nor did he live it. Did I did we not talk about in that same section, Matthew chapter five? But well, in that whole section about God hating hypocrisy, did I not say that Jesus lived a life of practicing his teachings? What did he do here? He was shining like a light for God in Matthew 14 or 8, 14 and 15. So this whole section is proof that he didn't just teach it because he could have. He was God after all. He didn't he prove enough. Didn't he do enough by making us? He could have just said, hey, here's the way. I'm going back. I'm going to drink some coffee and watch some Christian TV. The pastor of the church out there preaching the gospel on Friday nights. Handing out tracts almost every day. I could teach it, but God says, no, 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 that's hypocrisy if you just teach it and you don't live it. We have to live what he taught just like he lived exactly what he taught. And he taught for us to go out and be a light in the world and look for those divine appointments that God has for us. And they're all around us every day. So what was his response to seeing Peter's mother-in-law laying with a fever, sick with a fever? He touched, grabbed her hand, lift her up, and healed her. Now, how can we copy this? How can we copy this? Well, the, we're, will the, excuse me. Will there be sick people around us all the time? Probably. Will there be people hurting around us all the time? Probably. Will there be people in bad situations around us hurting all the time? How about this? Think about this. What if we hear or see or hear about another co-worker or stranger that we just by happen chance come in contact with with some problem or with some illness? What should we do? <gasps> oh my goodness. I can't do anything. You're right. But God can. God can. Number one, take the opportunity. Just as Jesus was eager to take the opportunity here Take the opportunity and be eager, be waiting and be eager to serve him. Number one, see somebody ill or with a problem, offer to pray for them. Or tell them you're going to pray for them in their situation as you go away. Some people really aren't open to you praying for them right then and there. Some people are atheists like I used to be. Some people are agnostics and they're really not open to God, but some people are, because I've run into myself. Hey, you know what? I know you're. I know you stand with God, but you know what? I'll pray for your situation that you're in right now, my God. And you know what they mostly say? Thank you. Because if you don't, if you don't want them to pray right then and there, because that makes them uncomfortable, because they're not real Christians. They're not Christians anyway, and they don't even profess to be them. 
Some people are. You offer just offering to pray for them now or offering to pray for them later is showing them what? Showing them the love of God that you have within you that you're passing on to them. Number two, you could offer some encouragement about how Jesus can help them through whatever they're going through. Isn't that what we all need to remember anyway? That no matter whatever we're going through, God's in control and God can fix or help us in whatever situation we're going through. That God is the answer? Is money the answer? People think it is today. In fact, our money even says, in God we trust. But which God would that be? Because after all, people that love money, their God isn't Jesus Christ. Their God is that money. So we can offer them in some encouragement because if they go to help from, if they go to money for help, if they go to their car, if they go to a friend, if they go to their spouse, if they go to their children, their children or the wife or their spouse is only going to give them, if in anything, a temporary fix. Only God can heal somebody inside, which is the main problem that everybody has anyway. We're all broke inside. So just reminding people Christ is there for them if they just turn to Him for help. Wow. Number three, offer them your help if your help is needed. While, of course, reminding them, hey, I'm only helping you because God loves me and He changed my life and I'm His. Before I was the way I am now, I wasn't like this. So it's God that has done this to me like I am. So just offering to help them, showing them the love of Christ and giving Him the credit. Or, number four, the big one here, and I've never done it, but maybe God will give me an opportunity someday. I'll pray that he will. If God tells us powerfully and he moves on us like he did on Peter and John walking into the gate called Beautiful in the temple, we can lay hands on them right then and there and pray that they be healed right now and, and, and have faith that God will do it. Amen. We can do that too. If that's what God leads us to do, that's what we can do. Amen? Because people in the Bible did it. And Jesus said, you'll do the same things that you saw me do. So if he did it, it's there for us to do too. So, helping others. Being a light for others. Showing others Christ in all that we do. Helping them. Just look for the opportunities, any of you saints out there. They're out there all the time. Be ready for them. Christians, please. You are the light of this dark world. If you don't shine your light, people won't see. I've been in a church before, a couple different churches, where they, during the Christmas time, you know, they had a, a special service where they made the whole room black. And then they said, now, congregant such and such, or pastor such and such, light that candle that you have right there. And you know, in a huge sanctuary, in a huge sanctuary of blackness, that just one candle being lit, everybody in the whole room, I don't care if it's 300, can see that one light. Can see that one light. And that's what God wants each one of us to be. That one little light in the midst of this dark world. That the people that are around us that don't know Jesus, when they get tired of being in that darkness, and we should be praying for them too, they get tired of that darkness, would see that one little light sitting there. And even if it's just us, 
Just one little old Christian in one whole workplace of over 100 people. That whole everybody there could see that one light. And, and they can come to that light if they want to. They have their choice. But that doesn't negate the fact that we have to be that one light. That one light for Jesus. Just look for him. Woo, the miracles Jesus did. And look at the miracle here. Back to the miracle of Jesus. we got to look at the miracle of Jesus for just a little bit here because that's not the real thrust of our, of our sermon today. But let's, let's look at the miracle that, that Jesus did in verse 15. So he saw her. He took action on it, verse 15. So he touched her. Remember, Mark told us he grabbed her hand and he lifted her up and the fever left her and she arose and served them. What happened? The fever left her immediately. This wasn't a process healing. She was healed now. Hallelujah. The fever left her immediately. Notice it did not. Now think about it. If you've got a fever, you're really not feeling real good. You're kind of under the weather, we call it nowadays. We're kind of under the weather. Oh, it's not, oh, I'm just not feeling good. Oh, oh boy. I'll take some vitamin C. Oh, oh, I hope I get better. And then when you start to feel better, the fever starts to go away. The fever usually breaks. But then your body's so weak from fighting that fever that normally you need a, a day or two anyway, bed rest, just because, you know what, you're, you're, the fever left and your body's tired and you need to relax and, and now your body needs to get strong again. So let's see, did, did, does, did Peter's mother-in-law need a couple days to heal? And so he touched her hand and the fever left her. Oh, let's, well, well, let's see what was her recuperation time here. Oh, and she arose and served them. Wow! Hallelujah! She didn't need no recuperation time. She got right up. She was as good as she was before she got sick. And hallelujah, she got healed just like that. Bam! Just like that. It was no recuperation time. The power of God, folks. The power of God to heal. Amen. Woo! Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So, unfortunately, we're not going to leave it at that. Because we can't leave it at that. We see another miracle. Another amazing miracle that Christ did. Even we looked at what led up to that. And that's awesome. We can look at the miracles of Jesus. We can look at the teachings of Jesus. We can look at how Jesus said to follow him all day long. And it's awesome to look at them. It's awesome to look at what he did. But what we negate so much today, and a big frowny face on this in the American churches, we negate the response that people should have to God's love. You'll hear all you'll you'll hear in practically every church in all America all oh how much God loves you. Oh, and how much Jesus Christ loves you, and He died for your sins, and hallelujah, and that's the gospel. Amen. I love it. But how come we don't look at so much the response to God's love? Because look at the back half of verse 15. So she got loved, and she got a miracle. Hallelujah. So then she got up and went and watched TV. Oh no, and she got up and got up and go read a magazine. And and just, you know, started, you know, hoping that, you know, people would come to know the Lord. No? No, no, no. Back half of verse 15. And she arose and served them. So she got loved. She met God's love. She met God's miracle. And what was her response to that? She got up. And she started to serve them. Did she do the right thing? Did Peter's mother-in-law do 
the right thing. In case you're wondering if it was the proper thing for her to do, maybe she should have just thanked him. Notice that we don't even get a recording that she was like, oh, thank you, Jesus. No, because guess what? She thanked her in the way that she lived from that point on. She got up immediately and she served them. There was no hesitation in her at all. Absolutely, she did the right thing. Absolutely, absolutely. And why? What do we read again? What did Jesus say was the fulfillment of the law in the prophets? Let's see, let me remember. He Didn't he say, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, body, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself? And on these two first commandments lay what? All the law and the prophets. So Peter's mother-in-law did exactly what Jesus taught people to do. She, number one, first of all, showed God she loved him by getting up and starting to serve him. And she showed her neighbor's love by what? Getting up and serving them too. So she did exactly what everybody is supposed to do in response to God's love. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? Yes. How we see what Jesus taught actually coming to life right as he, as he taught it, as he, as he lived in obedience to God, in obedience to the teachings that God gave him, we actually got to see the truth of his teaching come forth in real life right in the world. And she didn't, maybe didn't even hear his teaching on the Sermon on the Mount on all these things saying the law. Maybe she did, but who knows? We don't get to know. <clears throat> Scripture doesn't say here, but we just have to assume that I would say she didn't because the Bible says she, she wasn't there. And that she just innately knew this is what I need to do. So she showed compassion and loved her. So Jesus showed compassion and loves her and she responds back with love. And doesn't the Bible say in 1 John 4.19, we love Him because He first loved us. And that's what we see. We see Jesus always and forever loving people first. And then all our response is, is that the Bible says, love Him back. And in fact, unfortunately, this needs to be how everybody needs to respond to the love of God. But again, unfortunately, the emphasis is too much on how much God and Jesus loves us and not how we respond to it. There has to be balance, folks. There has to be balance. So, as we close, I challenge you, every one of you, because you know how many times I've heard you know, John 3.16, Oh, for God so loves the world that He gave His only begotten Son, so that whoever should believe in Him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Amen. Amen. So, but here's the deal, guys. Just because God loves the whole world doesn't make the whole world right with His Son, Jesus Christ. So let me say it again. Just because the Bible says that God so loves the world doesn't mean that everybody is right with Jesus Christ. So, how are you responding daily to the love of God in Christ Jesus? 
Bible says we're all, every single one of us, sick with sin. Every single one of us. But the gospel is this, that we're sinners, and God saw that we were hopeless and dead in our sins. And so God said, I love them. I want to save them. So God sends His only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, full of grace and truth, to die for the sins of the world throughout the whole world, every man and woman and child, every single one of our sins, past, present, and future, have all been erased away in Him. Hallelujah. But we still have to respond to that. Just because God loves everybody again doesn't make everybody right with His Son, Jesus. So I ask you to ask yourselves, because since God loves everybody, that love is out there for everybody. Everybody, no matter where you are, God loves you. And Christ died for your sins, but you have to respond to it. Are you loving Him back for the love and kindness that He does, has, and will show you before, now, and later? Are you loving Him back? Or do you take His love for granted? Where are you at with Jesus Christ today? You know, the average household has five Bibles, is the last report that I heard. The average American household, 300 million people, over 300 million people, not, not all adults, there's a lot of math there, though. Average household in America has five Bibles. Now, that would be the atheist has zero, and the guy who loves Christ with all his heart and has been born again and saved, he's got 30, or 50, or 100, because he's handing them out too, whatever. So the average household, last report, was five. But unfortunately, here in America, guess where most of those Bibles are, folks? They're on the shelf. They're on the shelf. They're gathering dust. Now, if your girlfriend or your husband or your wife writes you a love letter and you haven't seen them in a while, maybe they're at war. Maybe they're traveling on a business trip and you haven't seen them for a while. And they write you a love letter. Are you going to get that love letter and go, ah, I'll get to it when I have time. Absolutely you're not. Absolutely you're not. You, you're going to, before you do anything else, I don't care if you're hungry. I don't care if you're on the way to work and you'll be late. I don't care. Whatever, you're going to open that letter up and you're going to read that letter and you're going to find out what state your husband or your wife or your girlfriend or your boyfriend is in. You're going to do that. Well, God writes this book here, this Holy Bible, as a love letter. Yet, most people's Bibles are closed. And they're on the shelf, and they never open them. you got to love somebody back to have love. A relationship is two people, not just one. Two people, not just one. Jesus said in John 14, 23 and 24, If anybody loves me, he will keep my word. And my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words. And the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. So ladies and gentlemen, there's only two ways. You either A, you love Him, 
and you're growing closer with Him every day, you're serving Him, and you're being obedient to His teachings, abstaining from this world's sin and this world's lust, because Jesus, the Bible says in John, that if anybody loves the world, the love of the Father is not in that one. That's one way. That's the true way. That's the narrow path. Or there's another way. You don't love Him. And you do nothing. But the Bible certainly does not say, guys, I love Jesus, but I don't really serve Him or love Him or grow close to Him. I mean, after all, I mean, I'm busy. i got things to do. God understands. Me and, me and God, we have our special relationship together. We, we made a deal. God understands me. He knows where I'm at. That's not what the Bible says. If you love your wife, you love your spouse, you love your girlfriend, you love your boyfriend, you spend time with them. You don't do things that they hate. You do things that they love. And you go out of your way to do things that they love to show them that love. You don't, you talk to them every day or every other day or every hour for that matter or two or three times a day. You talk to them and you listen to them and you love them. There's only two ways. You love them and you serve and obey them and you grow close with them or you don't. But you can say you do all the time. But just because you say it, guys, doesn't make it true. We, God knows love. We know love by people's actions toward us. America today is, I love Jesus, but I don't really do anything. I mean, I go to church once in a while. You know, I go to church every Sunday. But, you know, I love God, though. Hey, I love Jesus. But they don't listen to Him. They're not spending time with Him. They're not obeying His teachings. And they're certainly not staying away from the things that God hates for mankind to do. So if you realize right now that you are a believer, hey, hallelujah, you believe in Jesus, that's got to be a first step anyway. Can't trust in somebody, can't obey somebody, can't serve somebody if you don't believe in them. So if you realize right now that you believe in Jesus but you don't really obey Him or serve Him, or you're not growing closer with Him every day, and He's just a book on your shelf, guys, and you're hearing this message, please stop in your tracks now. Turn around, face Christ, and tell Him you are sorry. It's like a husband that you haven't talked to or a wife that you haven't talked to in a week or two because you've been too busy with work. Your relationship's not going to last that long. Neither will a relationship with Christ, even if you have one. Stop right now. Tell them you're sorry. Confess your sins and surrender your life now or again, which, wherever you're at, immediately right now and let Him reign in your life today and forevermore. I repeat, if you are not, or you are not okay, if you just have a belief in Jesus and you know that He loves you, he says that you need to respond to that love and surrender to Him now and make Him the Lord of your life today and every day until the day you die. That's the walk. Somebody that walks with somebody that loves Him. Somebody has a true relationship with Jesus Christ. To my baby, to my Christians out there, to my fellow Christians out there, to my beloved ones, I say to you, you can say right now, I trust in Jesus daily. And yes, I obey Him. And yes, I grow closer with Him. And yes, I love Him. And yes, I serve Him. Hey, Amen. Hallelujah. To you that are listening, that are, look 
and be ready and be expectant for God to bring a divine appointment into your life today to do something for Him. There's always something we could do for God. In my life, I find more along the lines of God has to tell me to stop. And I'm not boasting because I love Him so much, I just want to serve Him. And i got to slow down. He says, Ed, slow down. So Christians, please look, even me though, some of that's on my own, I know though. We gotta look for the divine appointments that God has for us. We gotta be ready for them. We gotta be expecting them. They're gonna be there. They're gonna come. You need to be ready for them. You need to be prepared like Jesus was here in Matthew 8, 14 and 15. He was ready, prepared, and ready to go to do the things that God told him to do. Are you ready? Are you looking and are you doing the things? Are you fulfilling and taking those divine appointments? that God has brought into your life. Look for him more. Glorify God. He's the only reason you're alive. You'll be dead someday. One life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Amen? Amen. 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 Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for this word. Thank you so much for this, this, this holy Bible that I have in front of me, Lord God. Thank you so much for your teaching. Thank you so much, Lord God, that you didn't just teach it, but you lived it. You didn't just teach it, Lord God. You lived it. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You weren't a hypocrite. You didn't just say love others and then you didn't have to love others. You said love others and you loved others. You said be a light to the world and you were a light to the world. You said love God with all your heart, mind, soul, body, and strength. And Jesus, you love God with all your heart, mind, body, soul, and strength. Thank you so much that you gave us the example, the wonderful example on how to follow God. Thank you that we have that example and that we can follow it. Praise you, dear Jesus, and thank you, dear God. I pray, Lord God, for that one that's sitting out there that realized today, I believe in Jesus, but I don't really serve him or obey his teachings. I mean, I pray once in a while. I pray that that person will get right with you right now. They would fall on their knees realizing that the Bible says they're not right. For Jesus says it's only those that do what I tell them to do that love me. If we're not doing what you told us to do, Jesus, then we don't love you. I pray that they would fall on their knees right now and they'd repent. And they cry out to you in their hearts and repent of their sins and get right with you before it's too late. And they're left behind or they die in their sin. And they're burning in hell forever because they didn't want anything to do with you now. Bring them to repentance, Lord, and save them. And Lord, I pray for those that are yours today, Lord, that are listening to this message, that are serving you and obeying you and trusting in you, Lord God. I pray that they would all the more, that we would all the more be open, our eyes would be open. We wouldn't just be sitting back, that we'd have sober minds looking for the opportunities that you gave us, God, to serve you looking and waiting eagerly, Jesus, just like you did here, for opportunities that you give us every day that are out there to serve you. And I pray that they would take them, Lord God. I pray that you would spurn them on right now and stick a fire under their bottoms, Lord God, and get them up and get them out preaching, get them up, get them out praying. Whatever they got to do, whatever you lead them to do, Lord, I pray they do that right now. And I ask these things and I pray them in the mighty name of Jesus Christ.